When you look back upon your life, your full and prosperous life, when you're hopefully very old and grey, you're not going to look back and feel genuine fondness towards all the calories that you saved and experiences you restricted yourself from in order to live in service of your eating disorder. You're not going to look back and feel reminiscent towards your gene size um, or warm and fuzzy at how small you were. You're going to look back and reflect upon the memories that you made, the experiences you immersed yourself in, and the traditions that you were a part of. Hi, I'm your host, Imogen Barnes, an inspired mental health advocate, eating disorder survivor, and your most fierce recovery companion. You're listening to Empowered, a powerment podcast that celebrates demolishing your limiting belief systems, inspires growth, and focuses on integrating your values into your goals and behaviours. If you're ready to be motivated, educated, and inspired to start your journey to recovery, in whatever form that takes, listen in and prepare to be empowered. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome, or welcome back to Empowered. I am coming at you with a bit of a Christmas special this week, um, on this glorious hot day in December. It's around this time of year that I naturally watch all the Christmas movies under the sun and have this urge to just abandon Australia and run away somewhere majestic like New York so that I can just snuggle up and drink hot chocolates. Uh, But devastatingly, um, that's definitely not going to happen anytime soon, so I'm just going to have to settle for living vicariously through Kevin from Home Alone and come to terms with living in the heater that is my home right now. (laughs) Anyway, my weather complaints aside... Let's get into this week's episode. So I asked you over on my Instagram, which you can find using the handle at im underscore powering, whether you'd like a bit of a guide to handling the holiday season with an eating disorder. And the response that I received to do so was overwhelming. I once thought I was alone in struggling with this time of year, but I was definitely proven otherwise. The truth is this time of year... Um, if you do have an eating disorder or any kind of mental anguish is that it can be really, really difficult to navigate. And until I had personally experienced an eating disorder for myself and had become familiar with the torture that they inflict, I never could have imagined how this time of year could be anything but the most wonderful time. Uh, but if you have been through the ordeal yourself or know someone to have gone through an eating disorder, you can all understand that this time of year can be quite terror-laden and unfortunately eating disorders have quite the knack for turning even the most joyous of occasions into something worth fearing. So my hope for this pod is that it serves as a recovery preservation technique for you or maybe someone you love to survive but not only just survive but enjoy this time of year. I hope that this can be my gift to you and that it comes in the form of you getting through these next few weeks with as minimal mental anguish as possible. I feel like the best place to start with this podcast is just by identifying where some of the, you know, anxiety and guilt and shame and dread can arise from over this holiday period. These emotions can be triggered by food itself, maybe being immersed in family environments that are less than recovery facilitating, you know, the passing of certain comments and so much more. Christmas can be challenging in that we, when suffering, can feel as though we're being observed around food and our decisions slash behaviours critiqued. 
Our eating disorders can plague us with this sense of gluttony for joining in festivities. And of course, generally speaking, no one so much as notices, let alone judges us for what we consume. And they definitely don't think less of us or assume us to be gluttonous for participating in holiday traditions. But our eating disorders are really good at convincing us of otherwise and clouding our perception of reality in this instance. And so many other instances. I can also completely empathize with people who find the holidays difficult because, unfortunately, it seems to be a time where the topic of conversation tends to center around food, diets, and New Year's resolutions, body alterations, and all that other joyous related discussion. And these are hardly recovery-empowering conversations to be having. Additionally, you know, people may feel pressure surrounding how much you've quote-unquote achieved over the course of the year and judgments pertaining to how much or little you've managed. And it's not uncommon to perceive a sense of pressure from certain relatives and friends relating to study expectations, career and relationship expectations, and general life progression. Anywho, so there you have it. The reasons why some people find this time of year something really to dread. And especially those kind of people that are trying to heal their relationships with food and their bodies. So I will elaborate and delve into these discussions as best I can and just, yeah, hopefully provide you with some tangible coping mechanisms to really enjoy this Christmas season. Now I'm going to begin with my most important piece of advice that extends towards Christmas celebrations themselves, but also the days leading up to and following this occasion. Are you ready? Like people, get ready (laughs) because I cannot emphasize this enough. You need to eat adequately and regularly, not just on Christmas Day, but the days and weeks leading up to and following Christmas Day. And people, I know you're probably thinking, well, duh, obvious, Um, obviously, but the reason I am highlighting regular and adequate eating is because there is this really common eating disorder slash diet culture narrative that insists we, in quotation marks, save up for Christmas dinner and or make up for what we've consumed over the holidays. And this is just straight up bullshit. You don't need to perform said behaviors. In fact, you shouldn't if you want to feel grounded, immersed in the Christmas festivities, satisfied and your mind free of food and body cravings. Let me elaborate. So eating regularly in the lead up to and over the course of the holidays has more benefits than you can possibly fathom. Ensuring that you're adequately and regularly receiving nourishment means that you're less likely to be preoccupied with food mentally and physically. You're less likely to be ruminating constantly over your intake and worrying anxiously about your future intake and what it has in store. Also, eating at a minimum of every two to three hours decreases your chance of engaging in binging behavior that occurs as a biological response to deprivation. Now, I feel like it's a good time to stop and explain what I mean by binge. Uh, because I don't love the connotations that exist societally around the concept of overeating and binging. So to clarify, by binge, I mean consuming a very large quantity of food, probably beyond the point of discomfort in one sitting. I do not mean eating slightly beyond the point of physical comfort. That's exceedingly normal to do so around this holiday period. Anyway, so I'll continue. Eating adequately and regularly means we can avoid binging as a biological response to restriction. Because, okay, we're very, very quick to demonize the binge part of the binge restrict cycle and other cycles of disordered eating. 
but it's actually the restriction that is the real demon at play. Binge eating often occurs as a result of the body responding to deprivation. Because when we're undernourished, we think about food more and we become extremely hungry physically and mentally. And this is a physiological survival mechanism. It's super, super clever on the body's behalf. And it's a response that's supposed to initiate a binge so as to compensate for the lack of nutrition that we've undergone. So when we have an eating disorder, cognition and control though, and we binge, it's a common behavior or urge to at least try and remedy remedy, excuse me, this binge with further compensatory behaviors. And this is really tempting and it alleviates anxiety in the short term. However, it only perpetuates the restrictive and compensatory cycle in the long term. So the takeaway from this Christmas survival tip to eat regularly and adequately is so that you avoid the body becoming depleted of the fuel it needs, which results in extreme hunger and a susceptibility to binging behavior. There's actually an acronym that I should talk about that I think is incredible. It's an acronym to live by, but it's also very applicable to this time of year and surviving the holiday season. So it's called RAVES and it stands for regularity, adequacy, variety, eating socially and spontaneity. And it encourages the maintenance or development of a healthy relationship with food. So this approach accentuates the importance of eating regularly and adequately at least five to six times a day. And it also encourages a varied diet, which moves beyond safe food and the notion of good or bad food that our eating disorders and or diet culture can bestow upon us. It highlights the importance of being able to eat socially to strengthen connection whilst also maintaining a relationship with food that is healthy. And RAVES also enables us to be spontaneous around food so as to be flexible and immersed in experiences. And I just think everyone should live by RAVES all the time. It's something that my dietitian is just so, so um, supportive of. And I've had it drilled into me in the best way possible. Um, And I can just see how focusing on these principles when it comes to eating and socializing will enhance your Christmas and your recovery experience over the next few weeks. Okay, so moving on, I'd like to talk about some strategies to get you through Christmas celebrations themselves. The first being, okay, take the focus off food and divert it instead towards the meaning of the season, whatever that is for you. So maybe this means you set an intention to have a meaningful conversation with three members of your family that you're grateful for. Uh, For me, this is, I mean, I'm grateful for every member of my family and I think everyone else will relate, but um, I don't see my sister very often and I haven't over this COVID um, crazy last couple of years because she lives in a different state and so I don't see her and her husband very often and I also don't see some one particular set of grandparents very often and so I'm definitely making it my mission that I spend some quality time with them over the next few days because I don't often get the opportunity and I would like to thank Christmas for giving us this time together and rather than think about food the whole time I would like to be with them and see how they're going and have genuine conversations with them and have good memories to take with me for years and years rather than spending the whole time thinking and ruminating over what I'm eating over the next few days which 
In a few years' time, I'm definitely not going to remember or value. I'm going to remember the people that I spent time with and value that. So maybe it means that you could also step away from the kitchen and the food prep side of the holiday and place a greater emphasis on being with the people that you don't always get the opportunity to be with. Or Christmas might represent a time of religion, maybe relaxation, tradition, gift-giving or volunteering. I'm not sure. Whatever this time of year means for you that exists beyond the realms of food and eating and all control and eating disorders, if it feels recovery empowering for you to do so, focus on these aspects of the holiday rather than food and eating. Now, I want to talk about maybe recovering from any instances where you may or may not engage in disordered behaviors and not even just engaging in disordered behaviors, but challenging your eating disorder also. So I feel like when we engage in a behavior, so maybe we binge, maybe we compensate, maybe we do something like that. Uh, And I feel like the first thing that we feel is that we failed. You know, we've succumbed to this behavior. We've spoiled the occasion. We've ruined everything. And our initial response is to beat ourselves up. However, our behavior doesn't have to represent an inevitable downward spiral of your mental state. And you haven't failed for succumbing in quotation marks to a behavior. You know, it's eating disorders are really hard to recover from. um, And you're not failing for participating in the behaviors that they urge you to perform. You know, it's very understandable that you sometimes cave in and perform the behaviors that you're just desperate to perform to relieve anxiety. Like it makes sense. First of all, it's not your fault. You do not have to assign blame to suffering either. Like there's no place for blame in this season. You know, laying blame on yourself and hating yourself for either engaging in an eating disorder behavior or challenging your eating disorder is not going to give you know, add to the amazing joyous occasion that is Christmas. It's going to take away from that. And so if you do engage in a behavior or you challenge your eating disorder and you want to compensate, know that you haven't beat, you know, you haven't ruined anything. You haven't failed. You don't have to start fresh tomorrow. You can actually just bounce back from a slip up and come back to the holiday recovery game stronger. So for interest's sake, let's just say you binge um, and your eating disorder's probably chiming in and says, okay, it feeds you this narrative that you've ruined everything, you know, you've destroyed some kind of clean streak that you had and the only option that you're presented with is to further self-destruct prior to starting fresh tomorrow or something along those lines. It's usually that kind of narrative that it likes to feed us. And it all sounds alluring, doesn't it, to like, okay, I've self-destructed, I've finished self-destructing, I'll just like proper self-destruct and I'll fix it all tomorrow, I'll start fresh, I'll forget it happened. Sounds super tempting. I understand how tempting it is, but this is exactly how the cycle of disordered behavior is reinforced. So rather than responding to your eating disorder behaviors like a binge or a challenge where your eating disorder is scared with compensation, what you need to respond with is the opposite action to which you're compelled to perform. So if you engage in a binge and it feels as though you really want to use compensatory behaviors to quote unquote fix the binge what you actually need to do is to perform the opposite action and eat adequately so rather than doing whatever you want to do to compensate you instead show yourself compassion accept what has taken place 
acknowledge that you haven't failed and that you had, you know, no, there was no clean slate. You know what I mean? You you weren't like, you're not ruined anything. Uh, And when the next meal or snack rolls around, you eat an adequate amount. You stand the best chance at breaking the eating disorder cycle by eating adequately and regularly following a challenge or a binge. So if you eat more than you are comfortable with, if that means you binge or you eat just more than your eating disorders approves of, you have to continue eating regularly afterwards. Otherwise, you risk falling into a state of nutrient deprivation, which strengthens your biological urge to consume as much food as possible so as to amend that deprivation and thus reinforce the whole binge restrict cycle that helps no one and definitely doesn't add joy to your holiday season. Whilst we're on the topic of eating and binging and challenging our eating disorder though, I think it is the perfect time to chime in with a reminder that simply eating beyond the point of comfort because it's the holiday season and food is scrumptious and company is fabulous and you're living in the moment does not quantify a binge. Not even if it's more than you quote unquote usually eat whatever that looks like, it's actually a really healthy human experience to eat more than your healthy baseline intake now and then. Fullness, even when it's occasionally results in slight discomfort, uh, ought to be normalized, especially around this season. And I think you'll find most people go to bed slightly more physically satisfied on Christmas night than perhaps the other 365 days of the year. This is a beautiful, normal, and absolutely far from anything to be ashamed about thing that takes place over the holidays and just in everyday life and will always be something that is normal and acceptable, nothing to beat yourself up about forever. And I just, I'm so sorry. I turned that into the biggest ramble. I went, I've gone everywhere. Um, But there's your reasoning why I find adequate and regular eating to be your best friend over the holidays and forever. Restriction leads itself to intense feelings of hunger, which parts away for binging and a lack of control, a lack of sense of control, I should say, not real control around food and just guilt and shame and so many awful eating disorder emotions, let's say. Let's say eating disorder experiences, that's probably better, that exist. We just... We don't deserve that ever, least of all around Christmas. Okay, now moving on, moving on. I suppose another recovery preservation mechanism, this follows the general theme of the podcast, is to wake up every day and eat breakfast. That's a good idea because eating breakfast keeps you satisfied, sustained, you know, keeps your energy levels nice and even. Uh, It keeps your mental alertness up and it will contain your eating disorder dialogue somewhat because we know that restriction strengthens eating disorder cognitions. Also, your mood is likely to be higher in the instance you're well-nourished and rested, not overworked and lacking fuel stores. So that's just a little tip. Get up on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve and Boxing Day and New Year's Day and every day for the rest of your life and have breakfast. Breakfast is just incredible. So is every other meal, but... Don't be skipping breakfast just because diet culture is like, save up your calories. Like, that's ridiculous. We want to slam that narrative in the face with a door, please, because no one needs to save calories. Calories aren't a currency. You don't have to earn them. You don't have to save them. You're okay. 
Eat your meals, queens. Eat your meals, kings. Eat your meals, everyone. Meals are great. You've got this. <laughs> now, my next tip extends to everyone listening, people with eating disorders or their loved ones alike, eyes on your own plate. I know from an eating disorder perspective that we're super prone to comparing the contents of our plate to the plates of those around us as a means of seeking reassurance. It's also common to kind of want to gain an idea of how much others are eating so as to guide what we eat. Here is what I like to remind myself when I'm compared to compel my food choices to others. First of all, I am on my own path. I am on my own journey. What I eat is relevant to my body and no one else's. Also, health is a term that's relative to individual context. It might be healthy for one person to restrict a type of food for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe they're restricting gluten because they are, you know, have celiac disease and it's very healthy for them to not eat gluten. In fact, they need to not eat gluten. But for me, what's intrinsically healthy is challenging my eating disorder. So regardless of whether people around me are restricting a certain food group or you know, a certain food is praised or demonized by diet culture, or, you know, maybe the people around me are also subscribing to diet culture and whatever it is, whatever reason others around me are restricting a type of food, it fit challenges my eating sort of cognitions and I can and want to consume it. It's very healthy for me to do so. How others choose to fuel their body has no bearing on the size of my body my recovery, my health, all my goals. And my body doesn't know if someone else is restricting their intake. It just knows that it needs adequate and regular nutrition. And someone else eating little doesn't trigger my body to need any less. And at the same time, someone else eating more isn't a reason for you to not have enough or, you know, for whatever reason, eating disorders contort so many different trails of thought and so many instances of other people eating and it just, it can confuse and baffle you in so many, so many ways. But just remember too, you have unconditional permission to eat all foods in whatever quantity quantity that you actually desire. Also, I know some, like most people listening to this are not going to he- need to hear me say this, but I'm going to say it should there be people that are supporting someone through an eating disorder listening Keep your eyes on your own plate and your comments, should they not be recovery empowering, also to yourself. It's not your place to pass comment on someone else's food choices or how they choose to feel their body. And I mean, the obvious exception to this rule is that maybe you have a loved one and you need to hold them accountable to eating enough. And obviously your guidance in this instant and your comments are warranted and appreciated. But if your loved one does have an eating disorder, and you feel the inclination to comment on their meal and it's not empowering and you know it's not helpful, please don't. It's just an eating disorder will twist and contort even well in meaning comments and just flip it on their head. And so unless you know with 100% certainty that what you're about to say is going to be appreciated and is supportive, the best thing to do is to just not comment on someone else's food or their body any time of year really, but especially over Christmas. I really want to keep this episode short and succinct, so I'm just going to move forward and just just 
keep the keep the tips coming and we'll just see how long this goes for but the next point I want to make and it might sound like it has disordered undertones but hear me out is plan ahead if that's okay for you and if that supports you because it's not intrinsically disordered to want a rough idea of what the food situation will be over Christmas. It's not intrinsically disordered to want to have less apprehension surrounding what selection of food will be available or to want an idea of what you're going to have to consume. And I mean, of course, provided you're not trying to plan what you consume so as to restrict the selection of foods that you decide to eat or, you know, allow yourself to enable, like enable disordered behaviors. This is not what I mean, but if it helps to keep you recovery orientated, feel free to discuss what foods will be present on Christmas day. It can aid your healing and your ability to cope by planning out the rough times that you see ahead and that you can plan your food and plan what you're going to eat. So as to ensure you're receiving adequate and regular nutrition and also engaging in the holidays in the ways that you want to and challenging yourself in the ways that aligns with your goals and values. Planning can actually be really recovery enabling. It doesn't have to be disorder enabling. And a lack of structure or sense of routine around the holidays can be liberating, absolutely, but it can also be really anxiety provoking. So if it helps you, being able to rely on an eating schedule, can it, this can ensure that you don't slip into an energy deficit or give strength to disordered cognitions. And this can be really, really helpful. You know, I feel like, if the second someone says, just plan what you're going to eat, that you think, oh, but that's so disordered. But it's not if you're planning so that you can just reach your goals and have a good time and also do so without too much, too much challenging, you know, because you do have a right to enjoy this holiday and it doesn't have to be the most harrowing time of year. All right, so I'm going to steer the topic towards another side of Christmas, which it can be both majestic and outrageous, and that is socializing. So the first thing I want to talk about is setting boundaries for yourself to protect your well-being and your recovery. Some people in your family or friend network may subscribe to diet culture or just consider it appropriate to pass comment on your appearance or food or whatever. And I don't think that this is okay or, you know, dismissible or something that you should have to deal with, Um, particularly if people are subjecting you to their opinions that are just plainly unnecessary or critical or rude. So I totally vouch for doing what you see fit in terms of placing some ground rules and boundaries to best protect you from other people's judgments. If it does protect your well-being and recovery, it is more than okay to keep certain people at arm's length so that you are less likely to be triggered by something that they may say. You're not obliged to interact with anyone in any way if it jeopardizes your ability to survive and enjoy the holidays without plummeting back into a world of destruction. And if interaction is inevitable with some people and you're worried they will enable your eating disorder, you can take steps to set boundaries to protect your interactions with them and keep yourself as free from unnecessary exposure to triggers as possible. So this could mean like voicing um, what conversation topics that you are happy discussing and those that leave you feeling vulnerable to harm. It could mean offering different points of discussion that aren't triggering, like the weather or how you intend on spending New Year's, etc. And okay, here is the reminder that you have permission to take 
every step that you feel comfortable with to set boundaries so that your interactions aren't hurtful to you. And I'm not going to go and say that setting boundaries is easy because it can be really actually quite intimidating. And if you don't yet feel comfortable explicitly stating your boundaries for yourself, maybe you could enlist the help of a support person you trust to reinforce your boundaries for you. For me, I used to get my mum, my beautiful mum, to mention what kind of comments slash conversation topics could be harmful to me versus healing for me. And I also have terrific sisters who would stand by me and swoop in and save the day if someone was about to say something really um, unhelpful. You know, she was really quite good at, um, both of them are actually really good at being stealthy and turning the conversation and making it subtle so that I just don't have to talk about something that's going to be really jeopardize my ability to cope. And having people back you up so you don't feel like you are on fire all day talking about things that just make you feel like you're going to turn inside out uh, is so helpful and can make the day that much easier to navigate. So I I cannot, I cannot like highly emphasize enough how important it is and okay for you that it is to voice your boundaries. Now, if worse does come to worse and you do end up being subjected to a triggering situation or comment, Perhaps you could have a safe space to escape to um, and someone, maybe a safe person that you are able to be grounded around and maybe you can debrief with them about whatever it is that's upset you. This can be really helpful to have in mind just in case you're like at any point in time, okay, that was a lot. This is a lot. I'm getting overwhelmed. I need to step out before it all becomes too much. And, you know, you can just go outside by yourself and have a breath of fresh air if that's what you need to do. Or you can maybe retreat to a room somewhere with someone who knows you and can help you come back into the moment and keep you feeling as sane as possible. Remember that you are worthy of engaging support if you think it's going to strengthen your recovery. So do not, do not feel bad for asking someone for help at any point in time for any reason over the course of the holidays. You do deserve to be at peace. Okie dokie, so one of my other important holiday survival mechanisms, but also a recovery preservation mechanism, extends into the realms of self-compassion. People, give yourself space. Make space for struggle and equally make space for your own triumph. If you do struggle, that's okay. If you don't struggle, that's also okay. You don't deserve to spend the whole holiday season berating yourself instead of enjoying yourself. Also, you are allowed to acknowledge your limits. It doesn't have to be the most harrowing experience of your life and it doesn't have to be the scariest day of your life for Christmas to exist in service of your recovery and your goals and your values. You have a right to feel safe and centered. Also, you have the freedom to feel all feelings. You have no obligation to push yourself so far out of your comfort zone that it retracts from your ability to cope. You're allowed to challenge foods that scare you, but you're equally allowed to have safe foods and recovery routines to rely on so that you're able to best manage without completely, completely just feeling as though you're overwhelmed 100% of the day. And at the end of the day, it is just another day. Uh, It is amazing and magical if it's amazing and magical. Uh But if it's not, there are 364 days of the year that you can cultivate a genuinely wonderful experience should Christmas not turn out the way the way you imagined. Christmas is not the be-all and end-all of happiness and joy. 
All right, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna wrap it up here. I've got a lot of things that I think I could say, but I wanna keep it as short and succinct as possible. So I'm just gonna end with some quick fire reminders to keep in mind over the next few days. And I just think that these little things are just, they're just little good things ha have in the back of your head. Okay, so sometimes it's not the most wonderful time of year. And if that's a reality for you, it's all going to be over soon and your experience is valid. Your worth is not measured in how much you quote unquote achieved over the course of the last year. If all you did was survive, that is an insurmountable accomplishment in itself and you ought to be proud. You don't have to get along with everyone, not even family. It's okay to eat all foods. No foods are inherently good or bad and they are in no way, no context associated with morality. You have unconditional permission to rest, to do nothing and take a break from your everyday. You don't have to be buzzing around mindlessly. You're allowed to sit down and collect yourself and be looked after as well as looking after others. This is a gift of giving, but you're also allowed to be presented with some rest. Now, when you look back upon your life, when you're old and gray, hopefully, you're not going to look back upon your life and feel genuine fondness, fondness to all the calories you saved and experiences you restricted yourself from to live in service of your eating disorder. You're not going to look back and reminisce upon your gene size and feel warm and fuzzy. And you're not going to look back and reflect upon the memories you made with complete and utter enduring happiness at all the food you managed not to eat. You're going to look back and reflect upon the memories you made, the experiences you immersed yourself in, and the traditions that you were a part of. Also, you are worthy of peace, love, and joy, and you're allowed to take up space. You're not gluttonous for eating. I cannot emphasize that enough. Nor are you for joining in in a non-restricted matter across every kind of Christmas occasion, every kind of tradition. And no one genuinely cares about what you're eating, not in the way that your eating disorder has you believe anyway. They are not judging you as a person for what you do or don't consume. You're free to eat whatever it is that you fancy. Now, that just about wraps things up. Um, pardon the pun. Oh my goodness, Imogen is whipping out the dad jokes. I really do have to stop talking because I'm going to get embarrassed. Um, actually, I already am. I said wrapping up. Anyway, bah! We're just going to go with that. Um, talk about, yeah, we're just, we, we love that for us. Um, so this was me wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. And for anyone who doesn't celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a prosperous year all the same. And to everyone, happy 2022. Um, may it bring us all a delightful reprieve from 2021. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been absolutely amazing and I just hope that you are merry and bright.